If you brought your Bibles this morning, turn please to 1 Samuel, the second chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have extras. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand real high. And let's all turn to 1 Samuel, the second chapter. 1 Samuel, chapter 2. Now, we've been on a series for a number of weeks now entitled, Honor to Whom Honor. We've already covered uh, a lot of area. And if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you. Uh, go on online and download it in its entirety, and it'll be worth your time. Or go back to the Word Supply if you're in the building and, and get some CDs or get some uh, DVDs. And then when you listen to them, come back and get the next ones and come back and, until you got it all. Because it is uh, so important that we understand this. It's affecting our life hugely. The Lord would do great things for us, but it's not all up to Him. In 1 Samuel, the second chapter, 1 Samuel, the second chapter, Eli and his sons were the priests, were the ministers in the house of God and the things of God. But they had, uh, his sons in particular, had been doing some evil and wicked things. And he had warned them, and they had not corrected it or changed it, and now judgment has come. And in 1 Samuel 2 and uh, 29, he said, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me? He's talking to Eli. To make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say that last part of that verse out loud with me, please. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Say it again. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Who's the Lord going to honor? Those that honor him. And what about those who don't? Well, if you despise him and his things, then you and your things will be despised or be esteemed lightly. The word honor means to, to value, to treat as important, significant, precious. To despise something is to trivialize and, and ignore it. And treat it like, you know, as a common phrase among some is whatever, no biggie, no, you know, or to even treat it with contempt. And that's what the Eli's sons had been doing. I want us to go back into the chapter, the second chapter, back up a few verses. I believe the, um, let's see, the 12th verse or so. 
and, and look at some detail of exactly wh- what they were doing and how, how it was going. The Bible said, verse 12, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. That's a, that's a name for the devil. They knew not the Lord. Now, he's talking about the ministers, the preachers, were sons of the devil and didn't know the Lord. Isn't that something? Well, no wonder that uh, things would be in such a mess in the church if the preachers are sons of the devil and don't know the Lord. You know, you can have all kind of education and you can be all kind of religious and not know God at all. So he goes on to describe what they were doing. And of course, you know, you can see uh, that this is true by the way they were living and acting. In verse 13, the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came, and when the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, he struck it in the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself, and so they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came there. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And they weren't supposed to do this. This is not the way the the sacrifices were to be offered to the Lord. And uh, verse 16, And if any man would say to them, Well, let them not fail to burn the fat presently. The Lord had commanded that the fat be burned before the Lord. But they're just taking it. And ignoring the instructions of the Lord. And if somebody that was bringing their sacrifice said, well, well make sure that they do that before they take it. Then uh, he would say, uh, you know, let them burn the fat and then take whatever you want. But they'd answer him, no, but you'll give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Because of the way these ministers were handling and abusing the offerings, the people got to where they abhorred offering time. Well, you can see that, can't you? And they didn't, and they didn't want to be involved in the offerings. You know, so much of the, uh, the Bible said, as priest, as people. So much of, of what's in people's minds in the church or in the, uh, whatever ministry group there is, it's a reflection of the leadership. And if the leaders don't respect the things of God, then that will affect the minds and perceptions of the people following. It went on to say, in verse uh, 22, Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons did with all Israel, how they lay with the women, and assembled at the door, that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So they're having uh, physical relations with uh, different ones that are coming, and they're stealing the offerings. And see, they're just acting like God is not real, aren't they? They're acting like, you know, who's going to see? Who's going to know? They're just doing all kind of stuff. They're, they're, they're not doing what he told them to do. They're stealing. They're breaking the laws and commandments, acting like there is no God. But there is a God. I said, there is a God. And he does see. And he does hear. Everything. 
All the time. He had warned them and warned them, and they did not listen. They just continued in their course of action. And that's how it culminates down there in verse 29 and 30, our text that we've read so often, where he said, I had said to you that, you know, the priesthood, I'm paraphrasing, would continue through you and your descendants after you. But now I'm saying no, because those who honor me are the ones I'm going to honor. Now, I want you to think about this, friends. In just a few days after this, just like the word of the Lord had said, both of Eli's two, two oldest boys that are in the ministry, they died in the same day. They were killed. And then when he heard the news, he fell off of his chair and broke his neck and he died. And uh, I mean, their, their family was just brought to nothing just like that. Did this affect their generations after them? Think about this now. A seed of Eli in the third and fourth and fifth and sixth generation after this, what are they doing? They're in some other occupation, maybe born to people that are living in sin and having a hard life, maybe a broken home, maybe lack and, and all kind of things. And people, they, they, they rise up and go, why did God cause me to be born into this? And into a life like this. He didn't. Are y'all listening to me, saints? He didn't. What if their forefathers, their great-grandparents, had obeyed God? Now see, this is what people are willingly ignorant of. It's just easy to blame God for everything. Oh, friend, when you're used of God. And then your children come up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they honor the Lord and they honor their parents and it goes well with them in life. And they live long on the earth. That's the Lord honoring them. And then when they honor the Lord and they bring their children up to honor the Lord, it goes well with them. And they live long. Can you see this? But what about those that despise Him and act like this? Well, it affects their children. And it affects their children's children. And generations after them. And that's why people look it up, shaking the fist at God, going, you know, why did you cause me to be born in such a terrible situation? He didn't. What if your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had obeyed God? Well, we can't change that. But we can set our future generations up. We can serve God with all our hearts and our minds. We can honor Him and He will honor us. And one of, the, one of the great ways, listen to this parents, listen to this parents. One of the great ways He honors you is by doing things for your children. Even after you're gone. Did you hear me, friends? I know. You know, you, you start listening uh, to, to different ones' lives, individuals that God is using and doing things with. You, you may not know the details, but I guarantee you, uh, their, their mothers, their fathers, their grandfathers, their grandmothers, maybe not all of them, but some of them served God somewhere and honored Him somewhere, and He keeps covenant and shows mercy to generations afterwards. Just like the sins of people affect their descendants in the following generations, well, the obedience of people 
affects their generations. So don't blame God for hard times. Don't blame God for broken families. Don't blame God, blame God for poverty and lack and destruction. No. When the door is open to the destroyer, it's because people open the door. And sometimes it has happened in previous generations. And, and, and some say, well, I, I, that's what I need, need to get that curse off of me. No, you're thinking wrong. The biggest thing you need to, to get fixed of is thinking like they did and living like they did. Did you hear me? People want somebody to come cast it all out of them and speak it all over them. But no, if you do the same thing they did, you're going to get the same results they got or lack thereof. No, thank God you and I can honor Him. And one of the best things you ever did was set your children an example. Don't just tell them to honor Him. Show them how. Right? Show them how. By honoring the Lord every time it's time to go to church. Honoring the Lord every time it's time to read your chapter. Honoring the Lord with your offerings and your tithes. and Honoring the Lord by pray out loud right in front of them. Praise God, give thanks right in front of your kid. Right out loud. Right in front of them. Daddies. Daddies. You are to lead this. Well, my wife's the prayer. She can't do your praying for you. You are to lead this. You stand up for Jesus right out in the front. You, you uh, lead in the Bible reading. You lead in the praying. You lead in us getting up and going to church. Huh? You lead. You lead. This is you honoring the Lord. And what's going to happen if you do that? He's going to honor you. Your children are going to learn how to honor Him. It's going to cause it to go well with them. And they won't be cut off in midlife. They'll live long and prosper and be blessed. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go with me to Malachi, if you would. The book of Malachi. It's obvious that the actions of these men terribly affected their following generations. Think about it. Third and fourth and fifth generations of any of Eli's seed... I don't know what they'd be doing, but they should have been in the ministry. And they should have been honoring and serving God. And, and, and they've lost that because of what Grandpa and them did. Well, God's a merciful God. And I don't care where you've wound up at or what your forefathers have done. If you look up, you can look up from the, the darkest slum. You can look up from the worst, most abject conditions and say, Lord, I love you. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. And the Bible said that he will take you from the garbage pile. And he will set you with princes. Even the princes of his people. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. If you'll honor him, he will honor you. Can you say, praise the Lord? Now, in Malachi, we saw this earlier. In Malachi, the second chapter, why God chose who He chose, why He chose Moses, why He chose Aaron, why He chose Abraham, in this case, why He chose Levi, we see that he, why He uh, 
removed Eli and his boys because of their disrespect and dishonoring. But he, and in the book of Malachi, if we read it, the, the priests and ministers and people were disrespecting and dishonoring God and his offerings and things in there. And he reminds them of, of how a priesthood even came to being and how Levi was chosen of him to lead it. In Malachi, the second chapter, about verse 4 or so, Malachi 2 and 4, he said, You shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant might be with Levi, said the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave it to him. Why did you give it to him, Lord? Why him? I gave it to them, them to him rather, for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Holman's translation says, I gave these to him. It called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Why, of all the men on, on the earth at that time, why Levi? Why did God pick him? Tells you exactly why. Because of the reverence he had for God, the honor, the respect, the awe and reverence he had for God. Friend, we must understand that with God... Talent does not qualify. Skill does not qualify. Experience does not qualify. We need mind renewal in these areas. There are people that I've even had people tell me, you know, well, well, I'm the only one who knows anything about that. You, you need me. And they didn't know, but that was the wrong thing to say. Because no, these, these are the holy things of God. I don't care how good you are at it. That alone does not qualify you. What qualifies somebody for handling the holy things of God and being involved with His things? Those who value them, who treasure them, who honor Him. Because for Him to use you is Him honoring you. To Him let you have a part is Him honoring you. I know uh, looking back, over our ministry. First, when I was first getting started, this would have been about 80 uh, and 81, uh, in ministry that is. Um, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, in his ministry, they were opening up a prayer and healing center. They were building the building. And he announced that they were going to train people to minister healing. And I was sitting on the front row. And I, when I heard that, I thought, oh, wow, wouldn't that be just the most amazing thing? I thought that, oh, and I turned around, looked, and there were hundreds of people sitting all over the ground. And I thought, well, probably everybody in here feels the same way as me. And uh, who am I? Anyhow, Lord, it'd be great. I would, I would really like it. And, and, and that's all it was said. And when they finished it in the spring... They picked two people. They picked a lady and me. 
<laughs> and I got to be involved in it from the beginning. Years later, I, in a time of prayer waiting on the Lord, the Lord prompted me about that. He's, did I remember that? Well, yeah, I was sitting on the front row right there when he announced that. And, and I thought, oh, glory to God, wouldn't that be amazing? And I looked around and I thought, well, probably everybody in here would like to be too. And he said, wrong. Wrong, that's not true. They didn't all feel like you. A lot of them have heard what was said. It's like, mm, whatever. I, mean, I hope this is over soon. I got to get out of here. And I got stuff to do this, this afternoon. And, and others were like, eh, okay, or whatever. And um, it was not true that everybody felt that way. That was, of course, it was part of the call on our life and God's plan. But uh, a big part of what would qualify you for it is that to you, it's a big deal. Come on, can you see this, friend? I, I esteemed it and still do to this day. To me, it was just, you know, and, and we worked uh, full uh, hour weeks at no pay for years and was glad to do it and had more money than I used to have. How do you explain that? The Lord brought it in. And, of course, one thing led to the next and led to the next. But doesn't that just make sense? That you don't want to give your precious things to people who are ho-hum about it. Do you? Your, your, your special and precious and wonderful opportunities to people who, yeah, I'll do it. If I got time, I'll try to work it in. <laughs> huh? I don't care how talented and skilled and experienced they are. That kind of heart would disqualify them from being used. And that's why so many times it confuses people looking on from the outside. Why did they use that guy? Why did they use that woman? You know, look at them. They, they're not educated and they, 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 they don't know this and they don't present well. and they don't, You know, why did God use him? Why? Well, you don't see the heart. I said, you don't see the heart. And to the Lord, that is the important thing. Man looks and judges after the outward and external appearance, but God sees the heart. And what kind of heart uh, would qualify you for His wonderful thing? A heart that treasures Him. A heart that values Him. A heart that hears about His things and just oohs and ahs and goes, oh man, oh, glory to God. Oh, yes. Yes, I want to be a part of that. I'd like to be a part of that. Well, you're already qualifying. Just desiring it and wanting it that way because he can add to you the ability, the skill, the talent, the anointing. He can just he can put it on you. He can teach you. Can you say amen? amen. Thank you, Lord. In uh, the third chapter of Malachi, while you're here, I want you to notice this. This is a, a precious passage of Scripture right here. Malachi 3. This, this whole book of Malachi is dealing with the subject we've been on about honor and despising. A lot of the people were dishonoring him in this book, but there were, some, there were still some that honored him. And he talks about them in this verse, in verse 16 and uh, 17. 
Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. They that, that feared the Lord, those who reverenced and honored Him, spoke not just occasionally, often, one to another. What are they talking about? Well, they're talking about Him. You know, this is one of the big reasons why we have home fellowships. The Lord directed me specifically that we had fellowship with our celebration Sunday and we had some fellowship with our fall social, but that was not enough. And we were not to try to have uh, enough public services to do that. We needed something else. We needed uh, places that were comfortable and, and where smaller groups could spend more one-on-one time. And doing what? This exactly. Those who fear the Lord. Those who reverence and honor Him. Speaking often one to another. Why? About His things. And iron sharpens iron. And fervency and fire is catching. Isn't it? And it ought to be that if you've been dragging a little bit and just had not been fired up, you go to one of these home fellowships, right? And you don't just get full of nachos, but you also get full of something else, right? Somebody there is excited about the Lord. Somebody there is, is esteeming holy and precious and wonderful something that he's shown them, something that he said, something that he's done. And even if you were kind of ho-hum when you got there, you leave fired up. Going, yes, this is why we do this. Yes, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. Yes, we're going to run our race. Yes, we're going to finish our course. We're going to make a difference. We're going to get this thing done. Jesus is coming back. And it's stirred up, you get excited. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It, it, it comes out, whatever you're full of. And they that feared the Lord, they spoke often. Why? Because it's in them. And it's coming out. And they're talking to each other. Not everybody is excited about the things of God as we are. Have you found this out? <laughs> and so you're not gonna, they're not going to shout with you. So you need to be around some people that will. And that's where the, you know, coming to church, but then also these home fellowships, uh, that's, that's an opportunity for that. And notice this, they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Do you believe this? What does that mean? That means you and them got excited. Now, he's talking about some trivial nothing junk. Well, that's, that's not what he's talking about. They that feared the Lord. They that reverenced Him and loved Him, talking about Him. And the Bible said He does this. It's talking about you and them in the backyard in Ozark. Or Harrison. Or, do you know what I'm talking about? Is this true or not? He's listening. Why? Because you're talking about Him. And you're all excited. He likes to hear that. Because faith pleases him. And one of the sure ways you can tell somebody's in faith is to get excited. And that's not the end. He's listening to it and he goes, write that down. Write that down. Am I reading this right? And a book of remembrance was written before him. That's right in front of him there. For them. Them who? 
them that feared the Lord and that thought upon His name. Now, this is not talking about people that never think about Him and never get excited about His things. These are people that fear the Lord and are thinking about Him and talking about Him. It reminds me of mamas. What do you mean? <laughs> My mom's here. Mom, would you stand up? My mother's here. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Mom saves stuff sometimes. Mom has shown me all kind of things. She said, that's your little hand right there. And you, you, put, you wrote your name. You're this and that. It reminds me of this. I can see where in days to come, you and I will be with the Father. And you'll say, come here, let me show you this. Look here. You, uh, you, were, you were there, and you all at that home fellowship, and you said this about me. I liked it so much I wrote it down. You want me to read it to you again? He really does love you. He really does care about you. Well, you know if he keeps up with the number of the hairs of your head. Then why would he, why would he keep up with this? Out of your heart. You, you, you're talking about how much you love him and how, how wonderful his things are and how precious they are. He hears it. He listens to it. He has it written down and recorded. Thank you, Lord. That's not the end. Look at the next verse. What did the next verse say? Verse 17. And they shall be mine. Who? These ones that reverenced him and respected and honored him and spoke often of him. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. Jewels. Glory to God. How many like the idea of being a jewel? I don't know exactly what that means, but I know I want to be one. Don't you? I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Can you see there's going to be a, a, a place, a special place with him concerning those that honored him. Can you see he's going to honor those who honored him? What qualifies us for promotion? If you remember, if you were here when we first began this series... We were talking about promotion. And actually what this whole thing has, has been a part of is preparation for promotion. Said out loud, preparation, preparation. For, promotion. for promotion. The Lord would promote us. What does that mean? He would add to us. He would increase us. He, he would make us of greater influence. And impact. He would give us more revelation. He would give us more anointing. He would give us more resources and, and more open doors. He would honor us and use us. Who qualifies? Who's going to get used in greater ways? Who's going to get promoted? Those who honor Him. Let's say you got ten people up here and you got two positions that you need to be filled in the things of God. We've got to think like he does. How do you select which two out of those ten get used in that? It's not the one who has the greatest skill. It's not the one who has the greatest talent. It's not the one who has the most experience. Are you with me, friend? How do you pick which one? According to him, you pick the one that's got the greatest heart for it. That, that, that treasures it. That it means the most to them. 
And if you're faithful in the small, you'd be faithful in more. If you're not excited about what he's offered you now, you don't qualify for the next. If you think, well, if God would give me something big, I'd get excited. Mm -mm. No, just not true. Not true. When he offers you something, even though it might seem trivial and insignificant to many, you need to get excited. You need to treasure it. If it's got to do with the things of the Lord, it's worth something. Are you thankful for all the people that serve on the teams around here? You do know a lot of things had to happen before the doors opened this morning. Right? Oh, man. It's just, you know, you might not imagine how much. But there are people working and serving. And a lot of them you don't see and you may not know and see. But they are serving and they're cleaning and they're working and they're grooming and they're taking care of your kids and they're washing out sinks and cleaning sippy cups and huh, and they're parking your cars and standing out in the wind and the rain. And do you, do you respect this? Does this mean anything to you? Well, if you get offered such an opportunity, should you treat it as important? See, so many do not. And then they wonder why that they're so talented and they're so skilled and they got so much experience and why aren't they using me? Well, you've already passed up three things. I, Phyllis and I were talking the other day. There were some people in particular, and they were, they were wanting to be used, be used. We both looked at each other. They've had three or four opportunities. Didn't take any of them because it wasn't big enough. Are you listening, saints? Wasn't important enough. Wasn't big enough. I've had several people tell me, well, if something opens up on the platform, let me know. Is that right? <laughs> Well, they're an amazing player. They're an amazing singer. That ain't enough for the work of God. Are y'all with me? It's not enough. Your heart has got to be there. And if your heart is there, you treasure it. Hmm? It's one thing to move a broom. It's another thing to move it for the Lord. Come on now, y'all with me? <laughs> oh, Yeah. Come on, can you imagine being on the, on the streets of gold if they had any dust up there? I don't think they do. But if they did, and the Lord handing you a broom handle and say, would you, would you sweep that off for me? I don't like that. Would you sweep that off for me? And you look at him and go, Lord, yeah, uh, that's not my ministry, really. Would, would you do that? Well, if you wouldn't do it there, why would you do it here? Oh, friend, don't pass up your opportunities for service. Time is short. Years are passing. What are you doing to serve the kingdom and the people of God? What are you doing? Don't be doing nothing. Don't be waiting for something big. Do what your hand can find and do it with all your might and be faithful in the small and you'll qualify for more. Can you say amen? Uh, Look with me in the book of Proverbs. Actually, let's go to two places. Go to Job 5 
and Proverbs 1. Job 5 and Proverbs 1. If you reverence the Lord, you esteem His things, all of His things. Say all of His things. If it's His, you esteem it. All of His things. In Job 5, we'll see for the next few minutes now, one of the greatest tests of whether someone honors the Lord or not. This really reveals the people's insides and whether the honor's there or whether it's not. In Job 5 and uh, 17, I believe it is. Job 5, 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore what? Therefore what? Now who's going to get lightly esteemed? Those that despise. So he's telling you very very straightly. And this verse is found in some form in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, half a dozen times at least. Happy is the man. Somebody say happy. Happy, happy when you're getting corrected. Yes. Happy yes. when you're getting corrected. Yes. Happy. Mm-hmm. Happy is the man whom God corrects. Why? Because skipping ahead, we know that whom the Lord loves, He chastens and corrects. It's, it's His love that has Him correcting you. Do you know everything? Have you arrived? Are you right about everything that you know and that you're doing? Is everybody awake? I'm asking you a question. Huh? Then if you're not right about everything, that means there's some things you're wrong about. And on those things you're wrong about, what do you need? And what do I need? We need to be corrected because we're wrong. Hmm? When's the last time you were wrong? <laughs> I think it's sooner than you think. More recently, I should say, than you think. (laughs) Well, if you're wrong, what do you need? You need to be corrected. Who is it among us that doesn't need to be corrected? You hear how weak that was? It's like, "Mm." Do, are any of us going to get to the place in this life where we no longer need correction? We have arrived at total Christ-like perfection in knowledge and function and are no longer in need of any correction. That's not going to happen to you, to me, in this life. So that means we will need correction. Oh, but you talk about something that is not popular. And not well received. It's correction. And what folks don't realize. 
is that in despising correction, you're despising the Lord, you're failing to honor Him, and you're disqualifying yourself. I know looking back over my own life, and Phyllis is in my life just the past 30 years, Every juncture where something was coming up and there was a a big move and a big step, there were tests to be passed. And oftentimes it involved correction. And that's hard on your flesh. And when you get corrected, especially if it's strongly, you can go one of two directions. You can either harden your heart and resist it, or you can humble yourself and receive it. That's everybody's choice. Now, if you harden yourself and resist, that's pride, that's failing to to honor, and God resists the proud. It puts you in a bad place, won't it? If you'll humble yourself and receive it and repent, what does God do with the humble? He gives grace to the humble. And my friend, with enough grace, you can overcome anything. With enough grace, you can come through. You can receive anything. With enough grace, you can get through anything. But who gets the grace? And what you see, that a, a big part of honoring the Lord is humbling yourself. To honor Him means to give Him a place above you. If you're honoring yourself and resisting Him, well, you're certainly not honoring Him. If He's trying to correct you and help you and you get mad and upset and you won't receive it and you reject it, is that respecting Him? Is that honoring Him? That's dishonoring Him. So a person who has some understanding and who really does respect the Lord, they also respect His correction and His reproof. When I was 10 years old, my dad put me in a school of martial arts. It was old school. We practiced on concrete floors with no pads. It's good for me, though. I didn't quite realize it all at the time, but it It was. And the instructors, they, they were heavily influenced by the founders of, of the art back in uh, Okinawa. And man, they'd walk around and they'd tell you, straighten that stance, do this, do that. And uh, if, you, if you didn't respond to verbal instruction, there were other things to motivate you. And so the second or third time, you wouldn't hear anything, you'd just feel something. You'd feel a foot. And your legs would be swept out from under you and boom, you'd bounce off that concrete floor. And the proper response is to say, thank you, sir. (laughs) Why don't you try that out? Thank you, sir. sir. Why? Well, because your your form is all wrong and, and you weren't getting it and you needed something to get your attention and they're helping you out. So thank you, sir. Now, we live in a mamby-pamby, whiny-baby generation. Oh, oh, where you can't 
You can't even say anything corrective without half the folks hollering, verbal abuse. Verbal, they're verbally abusing me. That's called correction. Oh, this is going over big, isn't it? Well, there is verbal abuse, Brother Keith. Well, yeah, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Just People throw these terms around. Well, they abused me. Don't just take them and let them cry on your shoulder. Ask them what they did. What did they do? Because a lot of people have learned to throw these terms around and just excuse all kinds of ungodly, love commandment breaking things. Now certainly, there are people that have railed against folks and cussed them and demeaned them and done everything they could to hurt them with their words. We know that's wrong. But there's also correction. And it doesn't have to be done in soft tones and prefaced with compliments. And in fact, you need some that is not. Because it'll check you out. It'll check how much flesh and pride is still in you. I was praying about this one day and I'd heard so much about verbal abuse. And uh, the, the Lord prompted me in a time of prayer. He said, if I had lived in your day, I would have been accused of verbal abuse. Jesus? I thought, no. And he brought me back to the passage. To some things he told people. He said, you brood of snakes? You bunch of vipers? How are you going to miss hell? Did he say it or not? He said, you scour the world over. And, and when you find somebody and make them a convert, you make him twice a child of hell that you are. I'm quoting Jesus. Is it because he's mean? No, it's because, man, they are far off. They are off the deep end. They need something to snatch them right out of hell. They are, they are in a terrible, bad way. And he reminded me of what happened with Peter and those guys. He's walking on the water. Remember it? Peter says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. He said, well, come on. Come. He gets out of the boat and is walking on the water. And then he gets to looking at the wind and the waves. Starts sinking. Cries out, help me, Jesus. He grabs his hand, pulls him up. He said, where's your faith, boy? Why'd you doubt? Now, if that would have been a lot of people, they would have been with their therapist the next day. <laughs> Crying. I just I've had it. I've had it. I mean, I left everything for him. I had a good business. People knew our business. I, I, I walked away from it for him. I left everything. I'm with him night and day. Did anybody else say, ask me to come? Or can I come to you? Did anybody else get out of the boat? No, I don't think so. I was the only one, the only one. I'm walking on the water. 
I'm walking on the water. Does he say, good job? Does he say, no. He just says, where's your faith? People have bought into the ungodly stuff of the world. They've read too many books and ignored and rejected the Bible. I'm not advocating being mean and hard, but I'm telling you, if you can't take some correction, you're going to miss your qualification. I know from experience, there's been time after time after time. I I didn't see it coming, but... Something came up, I was challenged, I was corrected, and, it, and, and it's tough on your flesh. Your flesh and your pride wants to jump up and go, hey, hey, I hear from God too. Hey, I pray too. Hey, I can, you know, I don't have to take this. Oh, well, maybe you do. If you're going to follow the plan of God for your life, maybe you do. And you can jump and you can quit. And you can go to something else and be like Eli's boys and be out of the will of God and then your kids will be out of the will of God and then their kids will be out of the will of God. Are you seeing how serious this is? There are times for you to bite your lip and keep your mouth shut and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll do it. I'll correct it. I'll fix it. I'll do it. When, when your flesh is screaming... I ain't got to take this. I ain't got to take this. You say, yeah, you do. I said, you do. Shut up. And it's time to crucify your flesh. I'll just quit. You better ask your Lord. You better see people are quitting. They're quitting families. They're quitting relationships. They're quitting jobs. They're quitting churches. They're writing their own orders. And they are disqualifying themselves from the faith. One of the greatest things you can receive from your elders and people that are over you is correction. It's, it's, it's a treasure. It's a benefit. But most folks don't see it that way. There are two things that your elders have that you don't have. Number one's the anointing to be in that place over you. And that anointing and that grace will cause them to say and do things they don't even know they're doing to help you. Do you see this, friend? But then also there is the experience of having walked with the Lord and having learned to distinguish and to discern. And it's easy enough to sit in service and hear teaching and learn principles but then there is the applying of it. Or oh, y'all listening to me, saints? There is the applying, the being a doer of it. And some of the greatest help that, that I've received from my, my elders in the faith is when they were able to, 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 to stop and say, wait, 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 now why are you doing that? And you, you're like, well, I'm just doing this. No, no. And you realize that thing that you were taught on not to do, you're doing it. But you weren't putting it together. And they're, they're calling your attention and going, no, that's what that is. That's what that was talking about. That's what that means. Do you understand what I'm saying about connecting the dots? Your elders can help you with this if you're submissive enough and humble enough to receive it. But if you get huffy 
and, 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 and get mad. Well, you get to where folks can't talk to you. Or a lot of times people get mad and leave. So they're not looking, they not talk to you, they can't even find you to talk to you. <laughs> Read that verse out loud. Job 5. 17. What does it say? Happy is the man whom God correct. Why? You're learning something. You're, 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 you're making the connections. You're seeing what fits where and how to walk this out. How to do it. I know uh, one of the first times Brother Hagin called me up on the platform, I, I give something out by the Spirit, and I did. Afterwards, him and Mom, I met, we, me and Phyllis met them going out, and uh, they were saying, Mom was saying, that was a good job, Keith. That was great. And I, I said something dumb. I said, uh, yeah, I guess I'll get to it sooner or later, talking about trying to find it. And they both stopped and looked at me. And they said, it better be sooner. Well, that miffed me a little bit. I thought, wow, that's, is that really necessary? To say it better be sooner. But they were right. I had a lackadaisical attitude about the things of God that I could wander around and take a lot of time to find it and try this and try this. And they were, they were let me know quick that both of them just, I mean, they looked at me straight and they said, well, it better be sooner. And uh, I know a few years after that, I was leading singing and, and um, they'd call us up and Patsy Caminetti now, Beerman at that time, she was leading singing. I'd lead singing sometimes. Brother Hagen called us up, and, and we sat there for just a minute, and, and she said, you want to do it? And I said, you can. And she said, well, you can. I don't care. You can lead. And We did that for about five, ten minutes. He's still talking. He hadn't quite finished. His, and finally, he just stopped and looked over at us. He said, if I'd have known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't even have called you in front of the whole congregation. Now, see, a lot of people would quit over that. And if they do, they're not qualified for the next thing, for the promotion. He was right. We've done this for months. We know the end of the service is coming up. We know you need to be thinking about what you're going to sing, what's going to happen. This is disrespectful for the flow of the service to break while they're waiting on us just because it wasn't important enough for us to be thinking and try to be ready. We need these kinds of corrections from our leaders. But so many folks haven't given their leaders even any place in their life to correct them. We need a place for people to draw attention to, to things in our life and go, oh, don't, don't you see that? And, and, and if you're smart, you'll go, glory to God. The Lord's loving me right now. He loved me too much to leave me in the dark. Here I was just dumb about this thing, and he is bringing it to my attention. He's letting me see it. He's helping me to know it. I can get free in this area and stay free the rest of my life. That's why happy is the man. Happy is the person. Can you see this? Proverbs 1.7. You don't have to turn there, just listen. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
But fools do what? They despise wisdom and instruction. They don't like anybody telling them what to do. Look, I'm a grown man. This is America. <laughs> you tell me what to do. I'm free. Yeah. Free to be disqualified. Free to miss God. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 9 says this. Proverbs 23, 9 says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Now here we're told in certain cases, even though people desperately need it, don't tell them. Because they'll just despise it. That's one reason we're talking about this. You have to have a heart to a certain uh, degree of receptivity or else certain things won't even be brought up to you. I know there are people that serve in this church and in this ministry. And I know if I get something on my heart, I can tell them. Even if it strikes them a little the wrong way, they'll pray, they'll get over it, they'll be fine. Other folks, I couldn't even bring it up. They'd just leave. And they need it so bad. But you, uh, it's better if they'll keep coming and then maybe they'll learn and maybe in the process of time grow to where they can hear but, but I can't help them. I, I'm, God has put me or put Phyllis or put some of the stuff in their life as a gift to them to help them in these areas. But they're not deriving the full benefit of that help because they're simply not open to it. They just get too upset. Didn't the Bible say, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. And just because a person says, oh, brother, if you ever get anything, anything at all, just tell me, doesn't mean that it's that way. You can say it. But there's a whole lot of things folk just don't want to hear. They're not ready to hear. Because the Lord knows everything. He'll put his finger on the stuff folks don't know. <laughs> Won't he? He'll put his finger on the things that you hadn't looked at. You thought nobody knew. And he'll say things to you and show you things to do if you would receive it. Listen, friends. Some of the things that would annoy you. Make you mad, make you upset as much as anything to hear it if you could receive it and had the humility and faith to, to change and believe you could overcome. It would be the very thing that would cause you, would catapult you. It would cause you to grow the quickest and qualify the fastest for the next good thing in your life. Despise not the correction of the Lord. Say it out loud, I won't despise it. I won't just, see, even if your flesh don't like to hear it, your unrenewed mind kind of chafes at it, get a hold of yourself. Bite your lip, get a hold of yourself and just say, you know, uh, let me, remind me of me bouncing off the concrete floor. Huh? As a teenager. What do you say? Thank you, sir. You need to try that out another time. Huh? You get corrected. You get, I mean, you get corrected strong. <laughs> And what do you say? Thank you, thank you, sir. Your flesh wants to say something else, but you don't say that. What do you say? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. And it will cause you to, every time that that kind of thing's happened in my life, and it's happened numerous times over the years, it was not easy. 
And, and you, you just get a hold of yourself. And later on you realize, well, they, didn't, they could have said it better. Maybe they could have. But that's not the real issue. Is it true? Did you need to hear it? Well, they didn't have to say it like that. Well, you're just looking for an excuse to reject it. Is it true? Did you need to hear it? Then just be thankful that you got it at all. Hmm? And if you think they should have delivered it a little better, then you, you show them how to do it next time. You, when when you're, God's dealing with you for somebody, you do it the way you think it ought to be done. And, and I think you'll find out it's, it's not so easy. as just watching somebody else. You, we don't want to be too hard. We don't want to be too soft either. Well, they don't even notice it. Didn't even pay it any attention. You need to be led. Period. And if you love people, they know it. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go with me, if you would, to Timothy, please, in closing. Who's going to be promoted? Who's going to be used in a greater way? Who's going to get the precious opportunities? We've already studied where people lost precious things. Eli and his sons, they lost things that affected the generations, their their kids after them. What about Esau? He despised his birthright. He thought, what's this birthright? What good's that going to do me? Yeah, I'm starving. Give me a plate. The Bible said he sold his birthright for a plate of food. But later on, he decided he wanted it. Remember that? But he couldn't get it back. Some things and some situations and opportunities are lifetime opportunities. And if you despise them and treat them like they're nothing, you won't get that opportunity again. Doesn't mean that God couldn't use you, but that particular opportunity, somebody else will get it and they'll get the reward for it. That includes the eternal reward. The life is is short. These things are, are important. Time's passing. Soon, soon and very soon, all of us are going to be out of here. You do know this, right? We, we need to be alert and aware at the opportunities that are in front of us. And if it's got anything to do with the kingdom of God, it ought to be big in our eyes. Nothing too little, nothing too insignificant or trivial. And we ought to do it with all the might our hand finds to do and do it with all our heart as unto the Lord and not to men. And he said, if you... If you do, faithful in the small, you'd be faithful in much. You qualify for more. Look at this. And we close. Timothy. I believe it's the first chapter. First Timothy 1, I believe it is. If you say, well, Brother Keith, I, I haven't been very respectful. I haven't been the example that I should have been. I, well, you're not alone. Here's a man who's as, who was as disrespectful as you could be. But notice how he wound up. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. Paul, by the Spirit of God, said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Is that an honor? Did God honor Paul? He did. He said he counted me faithful. 
putting me into the ministry. Read the next verse though. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. You talk about disrespectful of Jesus. He he was enemy of the church, number one. He pursued people. He drug them out of their houses just because they were believers in Jesus. He drug them out of their houses, took them to jail. He was involved in people being stoned and killed. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he said, Lord, who are you? Didn't know who he was, but he knew he was Lord. He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. I think that hit him like a wall. I think he, uh, it, it hit him. He's thinking, no. You've got to think about what, all the stuff he's been doing. But he fell on his face. He got born again. And the one who had been the most disrespectful, as dishonoring as you could be to Jesus and his word and his gospel and his people, now turns all the way around and honors him with all of his heart and soul and preaches the gospel to the known world. He said, I got mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And think about it today in Branson 2010. We're talking about Paul. Right? God is honoring him today. Isn't he? And how many think he's got a, a high place in heaven and in, in the kingdom to come? Why? And yet he started out being a blasphemer. As dishonor, dishonoring as you could be. Friend, no matter where you've been, what you've lacked, or what you've come short in, is it true you could turn totally around? And a day you can turn around. And you can become one of the most honoring Respecting of God, men and women, that there is in the church, in the state, on the planet. And if you honor Him, tell me what's going to happen. What's going to happen? He's going to honor you. Will it affect your kids and your grandkids? Oh, oh my, it will. Stand on your feet, everybody.